God, I thank you for creating the institution of, of marriage the way you did. I thank you for the blessings and the joys that come from obedience and conformity to what you call us to. I thank you for the blessings that come from being a mother. It's been a sweet thing the last few days to have my, my grandsons around. And, and um, I know it's, it's, a, it's a true blessing to watch them grow. God, I ask that you would that you would diminish the cultural impact on, on my sisters here um, that the world says about being a mother and being a homemaker, and that you would that you would exonerate them, show, show them the exoneration that you give that place, that place of honor, that place of, of blessing, that place of influence. It's not secondary; it's meant to be exercised with full wisdom. Full intelligence, full strength. And it's tough, tough to do, but the results are amazing. The long-term thing, it's a you know, 15, 20-year ordeal if, for one, much less additional. So, God, I ask that you would bless my sisters here in their, in their, in their womanhood, in their mothering, in their homemaking, and as being wives. You know, it's, it's a... Uh, it's a place that truly needs to be esteemed. I ask that you would give us wisdom as men to esteem them, honor them as, as they should be honored, to encourage them, and even as difficult as we have a time doing it, to truly bless them, to make them happy in their motherhood and, and their homemaking. God, I ask you to teach us today what, what we should look like, what we should smell like, Thank you, Jesus, for this. The way you've ordered things and for giving us the order of things and for blessing us when we're obedient to you. Amen? Amen. So, gone baby, huh? So, yeah, we can go. Shit, I won't even get in trouble for going late, huh, or something? I don't know who's there. If I hurry. If I hurry. Second Corinthians chapter two is where we're at. Let's see, did you come up with a title yet, Johnny? You asked me. What is the title? Um I got I have one. What do we smell like? You know, the the uh there there's some words in this in this little section, you know, it, it talks about a fragrance and it talks about aromas. It talks about a sweet aroma. And I don't know, those are troublesome words to me. I mean, don't talk about that, you know. I mean, when the bacon's cooking, we don't say, oh, what a sweet aroma. Or what an aromatic fragrance. We don't use those words. We say, God, that smells really good. Hmm? Smells really good. Um, it, 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 it means the same thing. Uh, you know, to us, the sensory perception is is important. Let me read because the thing that I'd like to to talk about is, and it's not a it's not a joke to say that, but the truth is, how do we smell? In in fourteen, uh, let's read twelve to the end. There's only five verses here. There's a whole bunch of other places in the Bible. Hopefully, we'll go to and and talk about what this means. Paul says, "Now, when I came." 
to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the, in the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit. Not finding Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went to Macedonia. It's a short little statement there. It, it's talked about in Acts. Um, the occurrence is talked about in other places, but it's Paul talking about, in, in earlier, remember, he talked about, I said I was going to come to you, and I didn't, and... And um, But that wasn't that I was not being true to my word. That's that God had led me in a different way. So, when it comes to... Is that too loud? No? What? Yeah. You can turn it down just a little. That'd be great. I don't like hearing myself that bad. bad so. But... But thanks be to God who always leads us in His triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma for death, from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many, peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. What does this mean? I, I've been, the last couple of weeks, it's been, a, it's been a, I don't know what to say, but a sweet time to, to think about and study. I mean, springtime's a, probably the first time. Winter, there's not a lot of smell. You know, it seems like winter things are pretty, and in, in the springtime, it's a sweet time when all of a sudden the flowers start blooming, there'll be lilacs in, or, or you know, daffodils blooming, or the, the trees start coming alive. You can walk outside in the springtime and it just smells rich and good, right? I mean, it's, a, it's a sweet time when things change over. Um, I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about smell, looking it up and studying what smell is. You know? What does it mean to smell? Because this is a pretty, pretty strong statement that he says about that. And, and God purposely used it. I mean, we, got, we have to remember that God created the complex um, structure and an organism of smell. It's a wild, wild concept. I mean, that, that we, our sensitivity to our nose, and we as humans are pretty dull to it just because we don't train our brains to think of it. Most animals are much more sensitive to it. Um, not that they're smelling that much better, but they're just much better trained to, to react to the responses it gives. Because what happens, I mean, we can smell, as humans, we can smell one part to a million. Okay? If there's one part of it, of one molecule to a million molecules of air, we can smell that, um, which is pretty profound, really profound. And, and smells are really the release of whether it's it's molecules that turn into gas or or molecular particles that actually are in the air, and then we absorb them in um, through our nasal passage is how we smell. And there's there's all these little nerves. It's, it's olfactory nerve is there and it has all these little stimulus on it and then it connects right into your brain. There's these two big points in your brain right here. It's a wild concept. And the, those, those little nerves, all these little nerve endings are actually stimulated. Um, they're moist and kept moist from moisture that's in your nose. Um, that doesn't sound good either. Again, our whole smell thing is kind of like, you know, I mean, unless we talk about mom making cookies or Somebody cooking bacon and eggs, or you know, or 
flowers or roses or something. That all smells good to us. But the wild thing is, is those, those, that, those molecules, which turn into gas form or a particular form, they actually land on those olfactory off, nerves and, and turn into a chemical substance that stimulates those nerves. And those, those chemical substances that stimulus on that nerve goes up into your brain and then your brain says, okay, this is good, this is bad, this is this, this is that. You know, doing it. It's a wild thing, actually. And, and the ability to smell is, is an amazing one. The, we tend to be, as humans, we tend to be much more visual. Um, we tend to respond and react and uh, determine safety or determine fear or determine um, by our sight. We tend to be much more reliant on our sight. Some animals are more reliant. Plains animals tend to be more reliant on their sight. You know, antelope, they see and they see a long ways and stuff. They don't, they don't use their nose as much. But then there's a, animals like elk or, or bears. Um, both those animals are incredibly sensitive to smell. I mean, we're talking long, long ways away. Long ways away. It's a, hi Lacey. And, and it's a, it's absolutely amazing how dependent. I mean, an elk, an elk will oftentimes give you, a bear too, they'll give you sight. They might see you and not, not react too much. Uh, they might even hear you and not react too much. But if they smell you, boom. It's an instant unquestioning whether they see you or not. They're gone. Um, they leave. It's the smell of humans doing it. Um, and it, and it's absolutely amazing. I mean, we had a time last year when we were, um, John had an elk tag and Steve had an elk tag. And, um, long story short, they went up a canyon that was a long, I, I went in, we watched the elk go to bed and I went down below and I was going to come up through. So I'm, I'm, uh, sitting there giving them plenty of time to get to the top. I know he climbed carbonate a lot, but he still need a little time to get up top of this hill. So, and, and they were a canyon over from where these elk were. And, and the plan wasn't, I don't know, they said they followed the plan. They might have been pretty slack on it. But they went up, go up this canyon, and then when they get to the top, and the wind was supposedly blowing towards them in their face, and they got up the top, and they cross over and, and wait on top of this ridge. And then I was going to come up through the bottom of the trees slowly, and my scent theoretically, is going to drift up through the trees and the elk are going to go, we don't want to go down there because he's there and we'll go up here and boom. Well, I I go down there and walk up the canyon where I'm below him and this is big, big area apart. I'm down below him and it's a beautiful fall day and I sit back in the quakey patch in the bottom and I take my boots off and I'm just sitting there looking at it thinking that what a sweet day it is and looking all of a sudden here comes these elk barreling out towards me, you know, Running, I mean, I could have killed them all, but I didn't have a tag, so I didn't do it. Come barreling out and take off running. Um, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know. I mean, there is no doubt they picked up their scent. They couldn't have done, picked up their side of them. They had a hill between them. But somehow the shifting currents up there swirled their scent, went in the tree, and instantly the elk are gone and going. That's the way they are. They're very sensitive to smell. And, you know, smell is... You know, I think we get a little confused at times because we have a lot of ways of uh, trying to mask our smell. You know, I think the current um, physical education shower is Axe or something, you know. Or, you know, spray on, you know, deodorant all over you rather than take a shower, you know, so we think we don't smell anymore. I mean, I know when I was a kid, if you didn't take a shower, you failed PE. You know, everybody took a shower. That was the way it is. But but now, I mean, it's it's amazing even watching over here and working at the gym that, most people don't like a shower, and some of them just go right to work, and so they smell on stuff to cover over their stink because they, 
were sweating if they were doing anything worthwhile in the gym, and, and then they're gone off to work and supposedly cover their smell and doing it. So um, we, we, have, we tend to think that we can pretend and pose when it comes to our smell. But the, the point in all this that I want to make, and what is very important, is, is God used this, uses this phrase, sweet aroma, a lot. Okay? And, and I don't think God is unaware of how the senses work and how the, the olfactory nerves work, and how smelling works. God knows. God knows how it says. And when God says that certain things smell sweet to him, okay? when God says this is a sweet aroma, this is a sweet fragrance, um, we need to think about why and what he's seeing. What is a sweet fragrance? Um, it, it's a pretty... To me, the, the, the amazing thing is, is that a scent is something that you give off whether you like it or not. You know, um, as a hunter, you become very aware of your scent, and you can try to diminish it. You can try to stay clean. You can try to use... Now they have um, charcoal-filled suits, basically, or clothing that you can put on that absorbs your smell. Um, hi, Lisa. Hi, Ray. And, and, and you know, they, 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 but still, you smell like a human, Okay. And you really can't disguise the fact that you smell like a human. The only way to really be able to trick an animal is to never let him get the, a, the, your smell, is to use the wind so that he never gets your smell and it goes the other way and doesn't drift towards him. Because our smell is truly what we are. Okay? How we smell is reflects. Now, when God's talking about that we are, uh, and, and here he uses it several times, you know, he says that we're a sweet aroma. He says that we're a fragrance of Christ. Um, he says that we're, you know, an aroma from death to death or an aroma from life to life, okay? So, does he mean, is he really speaking about the nerve endings um, going up into your nose and picking up that chemical substance? Um, I don't think he is. But what he is saying is that you smell, Jesus says, and God says, particularly, that you smell a certain way to me, okay? And, and that is truly what you are. Um, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes you put on. You smell a certain way or you don't smell a certain way. Um, and the question would be is, how do we smell? And, and are we truly, what is a sweet aroma to God? We need to, to consider because th- th- what God calls a sweet aroma would seem to be to us... Um, not sweet at all. The first, throughout the Bible, he uses the, the word at times. Um, and in the Old Testament, he uses it a lot. And I, I want to go to Exodus because there's some, uh, there's some pretty strong statement there and talk about what is a sweet aroma to God. Uh, because we tend to think that we will be a sweet aroma to God on our terms. We tend to think that I will, I will let me give off a smell that I think God will like. Because a lot of times, because that's the smell I like. Um, you know, so this seems good to me, so I'm gonna, then God should be pleased with this, and God should think it's a sweet smell. Um, but that's not the way it is. God tells us what a sweet smell to Him is and what isn't. It's amazing how trick we can be with that. You know, I, I couldn't help but think the last, because my wife always makes fun of me. I, um, I, I grew up spending a lot of time on, on a, dairy with my grandparents and uncles and my cousins <clears throat> and 
you know, I, I was always, it was never a, I mean, I worked when I was there a lot, but it was, it was always some of the best times of my kid, child life growing up. I happened, my mom was the, the odd one out. All my other uncles are, are all still dairymen and um, farmers, and, and my mom married a cowboy, and I was screwed. You know, I didn't, or, no, I shouldn't say that. Whatever, yes, I was. I didn't get to farm, and I didn't get to dairy. So, um, I, it was always a real pleasure to me to go to the dairy and to spend time hanging out there for weeks or even months at times. Um, and, and what's amazing about that is that, is that, and, and my dad is a cowboy, quit being a cowboy, he started working for a telephone company because he had to be stable because he was 16 years old when he got married. And it was time to get to work and he started climbing poles and so here I was. So I lived in the country and grew up with horses, but I didn't get to Nonetheless, I don't mean to whine here. The issue is that I can tell you, my wife always makes fun of me, that the smell of a, not, not a, not an unkempt dairy, but the smell of a dairy smells good to me. Now, now you, 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 you realize that there's a fair amount of, um, of cow poop there. You know? Now, it is mixed in with silage, which is suspect even in its sweetness, and hay, and dirt, and all kinds of things. This smell. And I go by, and it triggers immediately me positive things, and positive thinking, and positive feelings. Smells have a way of doing that. You know, that, that, and, and yet, to most of you, to my wife particularly, we go by there and she goes, oh man, that stinks so bad. I'm going, no, it doesn't matter, it smells good, you know, doing it. So it, it, how, how those things go into our brain program, because remember, I mean, there's certain things that will burn our sinuses, obviously. You know, I mean, you sniff ammonia and I doubt if any of us are going to go, oh, that's good, you know, because it's not going to be good. Chlorine, that won't be good when you sniff that. To anybody, it's going to burn and there's going to be a sensation that comes. But as far as the conditioned response of what is pleasant and what isn't pleasant, remember, this is a chemical response and as long as it isn't burning those nerve ends, as long as it's just sending a response in that, in that mixture, chemical mixture that, that hits the nerve and stimulates the nerve end and goes up into the brain, then the brain determines is that good or is that bad. Where does that go? Where is the category here? What is, what is right one thing? I'm confident that that is what God is saying. That there's a way that you are, an odor you give off that is pleasing to me. Um, and and, and it, it, it's a powerful statement that he makes. Let's read this these couple of verses here again and then we'll go and talk about what odors are pleasing to God. It says, But thanks be to God in 14, who always leads us in his triumph in Christ. Okay, that, that in and that of itself is a powerful one. Any time that we seem like we're getting our fannies kicked, the question would be, well, am I in Christ? Am I submissive to Christ? Okay. What does it mean to be in Christ? That's a pretty, pretty big statement. What does it mean? We can just read over that and say we're in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? Um, the, the Bible's real clear about that too. To be in Christ is, remember Christ says that we become one flesh with him. Ephesians 5. That we become part of his body. That we are his body. Okay? And, and, and we become the representation of Jesus Christ on this earth. Us. Okay? Corporately. Um, particularly corporately and individually. We are all, we make up the body of Christ in this earth. In Christ is, is, the word Christ actually means anointed. Okay? That, that's what the word means, is, is anointed. 
And remember we just read um, a couple weeks ago, it says, now he who establishes you with you in Christ, I'm sorry, he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. Okay? So God anoints us and establishes us in Christ as his body, um, as a representation of him on this earth. And he says that. He says, and manifests through us. That means that God, when we are in Christ, God manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. That's a, that's a sweet statement. That we are to smell like Christ. Okay? We, we, we are, now, that, that doesn't mean, again, what do we want to smell like? We want to smell like a rose. Everybody likes the smell of a rose. You know? But everybody likes the smell of grandma's cookies. You know? Everybody likes the smell of, there's certain, you know, I don't know, somebody might not, but I'm pretty sure everybody likes the smell of bacon. You know? Bacon cooking is a good smell. You know, that's a, that's a, that's, oh, all of us like that smell and we want to smell. So we tend to think this is what would smell good. It says that God manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So when we are in Christ, we don't just become an isolated little aspect that, that hides out somewhere. He says that we start smelling like Christ. He will manifest in us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Okay? So what, what effect does that have? It says, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God. Did you hear that? We are, we are a fragrance of Christ to God. This pleases God. Okay? We smell like Christ to God. That's, that's a pretty wild concept. Do we smell like Christ to God? Or do we smell like a cesspool? Or do we smell like an outhouse? Or do we smell like sin and corruption? Or do we smell like Christ to God? Among those, who are, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Different smell? No. Same smell. We are a fragrance that God manifests through us to both those who are being saved and to those who are perishing. Okay? Same smell. But, what does it say? Like, kind of like my wife and I with the dairy. The, to the one, an aroma from death to death. To another, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? The dairy smells good to me. The, the dairy, my wife wants to plug her nose and roll the window up, you know, doing it when we go by. It's the same thing. Dairy didn't change smell. It's how it registers in her mind. It's how it goes into the, the, the interpretation of that fragrance. Okay? That's a, that's a, it's a really important thing because, again, we don't produce this smell. It says that, that God manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Okay? What, what's, what's important, the issue is that we are in Christ and that we are submitted to Christ. And he causes us to smell. And we need to realize that to some, to those who are alive, to those who are, who are seeking to be obedient, seeking to know God, who do know God, who are living a life in pursuit of God, who are acknowledging God for God, smells like life. 
this fragrance that God puts through us, this fragrance of the knowledge of Him is a sweet thing. Okay? It smells like life. To those who are in rebellion to God, to those who are dead in their trespasses and sin, to those who are disobedient to God, it smells like death. Same smell. Same smell. We want to think that, no, wait, when I'm a Christian, I'll smell like a rose. And everybody will think I smell like a rose. No. Some people are going to think you smell like death. Same smell. Because God manifests this sweet aroma. That to God is a sweet aroma. So what do we do? Besides try to put perfume on and cover our stink. Because that's what we usually do, even as religious people. We try to cover it up. And, and rather than, than emulating the true knowledge of God and allowing God to manifest through us, through our obedience and conformity to what He says, we tend to try to look and smell good to others and to everyone. And all we do is make a mess of things. What, th- there's something I want to read here, because in, in Exodus, you can either turn there or you can just listen either way. Uh, where am I? Exodus 29. Because this is kind of the first time where, where God is talking about a soothing aroma to him. Okay? I mean, think of that. Think of what a soothing aroma. You know, I think oatmeal cookies is a soothing aroma. I think, I think a, you know, ham dinner or, or cooking a turkey on Thanksgiving. You know, those are soothing aromas to me. Those are, those, th- those are things that conjure up peace and community and unity and love and friendship and intimacy. Because that's the, that's how it's always been in my life. You know, those, those are sweet times that that conjures up. But, but we need to, to look at a soothing aroma to God. Let me just read here, and you can either follow or you, whichever, or just listen. Because he describes an aroma. And God says it's soothing to him. Okay? And, and I, I would ask you, is, is this a soothing aroma? Is this something that you sense is a soothing aroma? Um, we can, we can, the whole thing is talking about sacrifice. It's talking about sacrifice to consecration. This is pleasing, setting ourselves apart for God, setting the priesthood apart for God, actually. Aaron and his sons. So in 15 it says, you shall take, take the one ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall slaughter the ram, and shall take its blood, and shall sprinkle it on the altar. Okay? Let me actually go back to, to 10. Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the bull, and you shall slaughter the bull before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And you shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger, and you shall pour out all the blood at the base of the altar. You know what the blood a bull has? Gallons. Gallons. You know, I'm not sure with horse. I think a horse has seven gallons. I'm sure a bull's close. That's a, you should pour it all out. Drain the blood and pour it all out. Okay? And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them and offer them up in smoke on the altar in smoke burn them 
Okay? But the flesh of the bull and its hide and its refuge, you shall burn with fire. Its hide, its hair, its intestines, everything. You shall burn with fire outside the camp, for it is a sin offering. Okay? And you shall take one ram, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall slaughter that ram, and take his blood and sprinkle it around the altar. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces, and wash its entrails and its legs, and put them with its pieces and its head and you shall offer up in smoke the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. Have you got a picture in your head of what's burning? I mean, it only takes burning of one little thing on the stove and the whole house smells like something burned, Right? I mean, they, they took this whole bowl and they took, and still they took it outside, but you, the, the soothing aroma to God was taking its hair, its hide, its entrails, its whole, and, and, and burning it. Burning hair is, to me, never produces a good smell. This is a bad smell. And, and, and burned flesh, this is a smoke up in smoke. It's not that you just cooked it. It wasn't like sizzling it for a little while and getting a medium well and then let's take it off and eat this thing. This it says, it says it's up in smoke. You burn it until it's just smoke and it goes away. What does God say? God says this is a soothing aroma to him. Now, does God have a warped sense of smelling or what's the deal? I mean, he's using this sense. The smoke that's coming up to God, he says, is a soothing aroma to me. What is, so, so when we, we think of this, Aroma to God, this, this, this fragrance, this soothing aroma, this fragrance that we have towards God, we would want to be very careful to put our interpretation of what that should smell like. Okay? Because God says that, that the soothing aroma to Him is His burnt offering. Why is that soothing to God? Do you know why it's soothing? Because it was obedience. Because it was a recognition of the perfect Messiah that was coming. It was the, the blood needed to be shed for them to be right with God. Okay? The blood needed to cover them. And I'm talking a bunch of blood. Like gallons of blood. And they put it on their earlobes and they put it on their... I mean, if you, when you keep reading it, it says, Then they shall take the other ram and Aaron and his sons and they shall lay their hands on the head of the ram and you shall slaughter the ram and take some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the lobes of his son's right ears, and on the thumbs of their right hands, and on their big toes, the big toes of their right feet, and sprinkle the rest of the blood around the altar. Then you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar, and some of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it on Aaron, and on the garments, and on his sons, and on his son's garments, and on him. And he and his garments shall be consecrated, as well as his sons and his son's garments with him. You shall also take the fat of the ram, and the fat tail, and the fat that covers the entrails, and the lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, and the right thigh, for it is a ram of ordination, and one cake of bread, and one cake of bread mixed with oil, and one wafer from the basket of unleavened bread, which is set before the Lord. And you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron, and in the hands of his sons. And they shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. And you shall take them from their hands, and offer them up in smoke on the altar, on the burnt offering. On, on, on the burnt offering for a soothing aroma before the Lord, for it is an offering by fire to the Lord. 
My, the reason for reading that, now, I, we could, we could talk about what the, what the symbolism, what God was calling him to do. That's a pretty radical thing. You know, and, and part of the reason it seems so radical is because we have a very diminished view of sin. We have a very diminished view of what, what it takes to be right with God. We have a very diminished view of, of what sin looks like to God. I mean, there's a bunch of death here. And a bunch of burnt offerings and smoke offerings. And this was just taking the couple of priests and consecrating them before God. Can you imagine what it looked like when thousands of Jews came together and had to offer these sacrifices? And, and, and flesh was burning and hair was burning and entrails were burning and fat was burning and it was going. I don't think Jerusalem would have been a very peaceful place wherever they were doing. And they were pouring out, every time they slaughtered a bull, there was gallons, gallons of blood that they poured out on the ground. And it's probably hot and it's probably ugly. But we, what, why does God say this? Because God's an ugly person. God, again, I, God wrote this. God put this down and, and, and protected it. I mean, this is part of the penitent. The first five books of the Bible, we don't question if this is written by God and um, if it was written by God for a purpose. These, these books of the Bible are what Paul got to know who the Messiah was going to be. This is the books of the Bible that Jesus came in and they recognized or didn't recognize the Messiah. Some did, some didn't. When they knew the Word, when they knew the Scriptures, these are the Scriptures they knew. Okay? They, they knew the Pentateuch. Many, supposedly, of the Pharisees had the, these first Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy memorized. What we just read right there, that had memorized. Okay? What effect did that have on you? What effect did that have on you when, you when you realize what is a soothing aroma to God? Okay? What is a soothing aroma to God? Because it's important to us. We want to make up what is pleasing to God. We want to make up our own version of what God would like and what is a soothing aroma to Him. And, and by this, obviously, we can tell it might not be what seems smells good to us. Okay? It might not be what is acceptable to us. I can't imagine the smell of this burning flesh being soothing. That would not seem very soothing to me. The sight of blood by the gallons poured out on the ground and, and now we're taking blood and we're putting it on our right toe and our earlobes and on our right thumbs and... You know, this is this sounds like a freak show to me, you know. And yet, and yet, this is was pleasing to God. Okay, the Old Testament is very, very good. If you have not spent time in the Old Testament, your view of God is probably pretty skewed. The Old Testament is very, very important to blow up our the little box that we have got in. And our understanding of him. Because we, we want to confine him and say, this is what he's like. This is what's pleasing to him. This is what matters to him. This is what, this is what I should look like. This is what I should act like. And our boxes are, all of us have boxes, myself included. They're pretty little that we put God in. In the Old Testament, you read it and it goes, that doesn't fit in that box anymore. Well, that's a good thing. 
That's a good thing. Because this is the God we serve. This is the God that found this. This is the same God that found this to be a soothing aroma. Okay? So, let's go back to Ephesians. I mean to, uh, we're going to go to Ephesians. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Read that again. And then there's another place, there's a couple other places in the New Testament where he talks about a soothing aroma. What is a soothing aroma to God? But thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ and manifests. God who manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Okay? The sweet aroma of the knowledge of him. That's what we should smell like. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God. We should smell like Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? I'm going to read some out of Ephesians 5. I can never get in too much trouble when I just read. Because I didn't do it. Okay? Because it talks about an aroma, a fragrant aroma here, and what that looks like. Because I, I, this isn't just a, a cutesy little play on words. Let me just say that it is very, very, it's essential that we are a soothing aroma to God. Okay? Because if we do not smell right to God, we're in trouble. If we are not a soothing aroma to God, um, we're in trouble. We are still dead. We are still in death. And we will end up eternally ending up in death. So, what does it look like? What does this sweet aroma look like? Again, this isn't, this isn't a uh, perfume we put on. This is something that emanates from the core of our being. This, this, these, are, these are molecules that gas off and, and transport to God. These are the essence of our being being smelled by God. Okay? And that, that's how God sees us. God doesn't care what we say. He doesn't care what the words of our mouth are. He cares who we truly are. He ter- cares what the core of our being is. He cares what our heart is. And He judges that. In this case, He smells it. You know? What's the old, what's the old adage? You know, if it, if it smells like a rat, it probably is a rat, you know, or something. I don't know. You never smell a rat. But, but we are what we smell like. We smell like what we truly are. It's the essence of our being. So what do we smell like? What does it, what does it look like to be a fragrance? In, in chapter 5 of Ephesians, and I want to read through 5 and 6, because I think they, they are a description of what God calls us to be. They're a description of what we should smell like. They're a description of how, that, not how we should pretend, but how we should truly smell the God. And, that, you know, it's, it's always hard for me not to go backwards, especially in chapter 5. It starts with a therefore. Okay? Therefore. Well, why does it mean therefore? Therefore what? Okay? Let me read a couple of verses out of chapter 4. In 17 it says, <clears throat> This I say therefore. Oh, shoot. There's another therefore. I guess I'd have to go back, but let's just stop there. This I say therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, <clears throat> that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind. 
being darkened in their understanding? The Gentiles. That's those who don't know God. Being darkened in their Gentiles. Excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the hardness of their hearts. And they have become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him, if you've heard him correctly, if you've heard of Christ and have learned Christ truly, you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, which is in the likeness of God, which, I'm sorry, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. How are we to smell? That you'll be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on a new self, which in the likeness of God, in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. Therefore, chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, be imitators of God. That's a mouthful. That's God-ordained, God-inspired word of truth that is a commandment. Be imitators of God. As beloved children. That, that is, our, our, our kids, our kids tend to, kids tend to emulate their fathers and imitate their fathers. Good, bad, or ugly. Good, bad, or ugly. Kids tend to imitate their fathers. We are to imitate our father. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. There's that, there's that word again. Okay, Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. This is New Testament. We just read in Exodus 29 <clears throat> about Old Testament. What, what, how do we produce a sweet aroma to God? A soothing aroma to God? Now we're talking about the New Testament. How do we produce a soothing aroma to God? Okay? We walk in love as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So what does this smell like? What, what, are, what are we giving off here? What's the essence of our being that is giving off this smell? Because he goes on to describe this. But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. Remember, if you're born again, you're called a saint, not a sinner. You're called a saint. You're called a holy one. That's what the word is, a holy one. Okay? Do not let immorality or impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, 
This is a strong statement. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Okay? Do not be deceived by empty words. God doesn't see your sin. God doesn't care about your sin. Okay? It doesn't matter that you sin. Your sins were forgiven and covered. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, this sin, this immorality, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. That, 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 that's a description there. Walk as children of light, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Trying to learn what is pleasing to God. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. This is how we're to smell. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them or reprove them as the word. Okay? For it is dis disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. The key is, you need to read that phrase correctly. Okay? It is dis what is disgraceful is to speak of those things in secret. Did you know what's going on? Did you know what's happening? Did you hear what happened? Did you hear what they did? Okay. That's disgraceful. It says, to speak of those things in secret. What's it say? It says, expose them. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you, walk, how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay? We can understand what the will of the Lord is. He just spoke about it. He just talked how we should smell. He just told us what it is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. We've completely imbalanced that. The issue there is not to be drunk with wine. That's not the issue. Not to be drunk with wine? Yeah, it says that's dissipation. That's the issue. But you know what the command is? Be filled with the Spirit. The command is be filled with the Spirit. Do not be consumed by, controlled by alcohol. Be consumed and controlled by the Spirit of God. And we are consumed and controlled by the Spirit of God when we are submissive to Him. The issue isn't about not, not getting drunk, so therefore I'm right with God. That isn't the issue. The issue is about being filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, moved by the Spirit. The drunkenness is, is used in an example of consumption, of being controlled by, of I'm no longer in control, but what is? Alcohol is the Spirit of God. What is in control? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and making melody with your heart to the Lord, giving and giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. 
That's what we should smell like. The whole thing of speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that's something that I would like to delve into some point. Not at this point, um, not today, but would like to. What is it? Because what does this look like? How are we to smell? How are we to act? Okay? And we, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay? Wives, how are we to smell? Okay, remember? The smell that God manifests through us when we are in Christ, we don't get to make this up. What we try to do is we don't have the smell manifest in us. Okay? So what we try to do is come up with our own concoction. Well, if I put this perfume on, if I use this kind of deodorant, if I... When we do those, we, we can change the smell or give off a smell that we think will be pleasing to God and to others. Okay? That's not what he says here. He says that he will, when we are in Christ, and that's a big mouthful, when we are submitted to, when we are obedient to, when we are surrendered to, when we have been immersed completely in his death, okay? And, and, and have the resurrection power of God in our lives. Okay? This is being born again. When that is the case, he will manifest through us the fragrance, the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. That's radical, okay? But remember, to some that smell will stink, and to some it will smell good. Okay? To some it will be a pleasing aroma. That doesn't mean there's a difference. We don't get to decide what is pleasing to God. This is telling us what we should smell like. Okay? And to some it will be pleasing. There's a, we're going to keep reading here because some of this will stink to most of this world. It will smell like death. Okay? Some of it will smell like life. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. In our country, does that smell like life or death? Death. Right? What do you think, James? Does that smell like life or death? To you, I'm asking you personally. Smells like life? In spite of me? Obedience, obedience. I didn't mean to trick you, put you on the spot. I wasn't doing it. That that statement right there, that is how that is how we're to smell. That is how you women are to smell. Be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay? To those in death, that's a fragrance of death. It's one of the most fearful things that they can imagine. It was like a terrible thing. To those who are alive, they realize the rich blessing and the fulfillment of being obedient to God and the joy of a right relationship with the husband. For the husband is the head of the wife. Again, I didn't write this. And it was written for our culture today. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. This is what men are supposed to smell like. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. Oh, well, that's easy. Since you're so lovable. Of course we love you. That's easy. 
not what it says. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, you're to smell like you're dead to yourself and alive to your wife. This will be a pleasing aroma. Remember the aroma that was soothing to God? Of things burned, of flesh burned up and consumed? Of, of blood spilled to cover the forgiveness of sin? And of, and of the of the body dying? I think that's a pretty good representation of how we should look. The only hope we have is to be covered by the blood of Jesus. And the only hope of having our, our sin atoned for and covered by the blood of Jesus is by complete surrender to Him. Period. It's not a universal thing. Christ died for the sins of all men. That's true. Will most go to hell? Yes. In spite of the fact that Christ died for all sins. It does not universally cover. It covers those who, are in, who, who identify and are completely immersed into His death, who die to themselves and surrender to Christ in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's who his death covers. Not universally. It's only through our death that we, we don't earn it, but we die to ourselves. We are baptized into his death. You look at, you look at the, the sacrifices where there was bloodshed and the flesh was burned. That's what our life should look like. The blood is shed and our flesh is burned. We no longer, this life I live in the flesh, I no longer live for myself but I live in complete and total surrender to Jesus Christ. That is what I'm called to. That is what I am commanded to do. That's not just wishful thinking. That's what God's called us to. And that's how we appropriate it. And that's what we should smell like. And, and in, in spite of it might seem easy, there's no tougher thing than laying your life down for your wife. It's just ground zero. Where you live every day, in spite of how tired how selfish, what your ambitions are, what your drives, what your desires are. That doesn't mean that you... that you. What, what's the Bible say? The one who gains his life, the one who controls, takes charge of, makes sure that he's fulfilled, will lose his life. The one who loses his life will gain. Does that mean that we, I'm just going to live in this subjection to my wife? Yeah? <laughs> No, it, 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 I hope it does. That, that, that the, the issue would be that that is where I will truly be blessed. That is where I will truly be happy. I mean, the, the misconception is we've got all these cultural things and these, these conditioned thinking about what smells good. Okay? About what will make us happy. What will please us. Okay? And so when we weigh this death thing, giving our lives up and submitting and all these things, those do not fit the smell. Those, those do not seem like they would smell good. Okay? Those stink. Okay? And the problem is that, that our brain is programmed wrong to understand what smells good and doesn't. You know, a dairy can smell good. Spider of what you do. I think everybody agrees with you. Probably. Probably. Yeah, probably. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. This is what we're supposed to smell like. This is what we're supposed to smell like to God. Okay? And gave himself up for it. Because remember, we are a fragrance of Christ. Right? This is describing Christ. We are a fragrance of Christ to God. Okay? A good, a pleasing, 
aroma, a pleasing, a good fragrance to God. Okay? Now, this, that's what we're supposed to be. And to those who are alive, they will agree with God that this is a pleasing aroma. To those who are dead, they're going to think it smells like death. Okay? For as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Big mouthful. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is the most difficult and yet essential, important statement for any of us husbands to ever know and comprehend and stand on. Okay? As husbands. Tough. That's a hard, that's death. That's literal death. As the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. And husbands, you're to love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. Uh, that's what our wives are supposed to look like. And if our wives don't, if there's any wrinkles or spots or they're not holy and blameless, whose fault does it say it is? Husbands. Husbands. We are to lay our lives down for our wives that this would be the result. Is this going to happen immediately? No. This is a tough thing and a long process. That's called marriage. God didn't I've heard the term and I believe it's true. God didn't create the institution of marriage for happiness. He created it for for holiness. I think God created the marriage institution because it's the toughest thing we'll do. It's the most real thing. Now, on top of that, God, who is a loving Father, gives us the greatest joys, gives us the greatest satisfaction, gives us the greatest fulfillment through marriage. Um... No doubt, friendship, intimacy, um, sexuality, uh, security, kids, grandkids. You know, the greatest things that we can know in this world, the greatest points of blessing or happiness we can know can come from marriage. If we are willing to be obedient to God and what he calls us to in that marriage. So what husbands ought to love their wives is their own body. How are we to smell? Okay, This is how we're to smell, you guys. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, and no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does at church. We talked about that a lot as men, and I think it's very important for us to understand that, that this is not about, this is not about liking myself a lot, okay? Because the Bible doesn't tell me to like myself a lot, okay? It says, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. We are to be so intimately in tune with our wife. Again, the words nourish and cherish are feeding and keeping warm. Cherish means to keep warm. Okay? That's what it means. Okay? And we are, we are to nourish, feed, to give nourishment to and to keep warm our wives, in the same way we would our own body. That doesn't... You don't need to tell me when I'm hungry or cold. Okay? We are... There is no excuse. This completely abolishes any excuse for insensitivity of men. Period. Okay? 
We are to be sensitive to the point where we understand the needs of our wives. And we're to meet those needs. Okay? There is no excuse for insensitivity to our wife. Does that come natural? I'm convinced God, God set it up this way. Generally speaking, stereotypically, we men are not as sensitive as women. It's very critical that a mother, that a wife is sensitive. Because she has to know when that little baby is, what it is crying for, when it is crying. Is it crying because it's hungry? Is it crying because it's thirsty? Is it crying because it needs a diaper change? Is it crying because it's tired? To a dad, it's just crying! Quit crying! A mother, if she's going to meet the needs of that child, has to know why. How do I meet the needs of this child? Mothers, women, it's why it's stereotypically said women are intuitive, men are not. Venus and Mars and all that crap, pardon me. It's not, but, but the truth is, is that any excuse for men being insensitive? Absolutely not. He just says here, we are to sense the needs of our wives. The intimate, internal needs. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. How are we to do that if we're not naturally insensitive? Cry out to God. I am confident that God put this here, again, for holiness. To bring us into conformity with Him. For us to be constantly aware of our necessity of dependency on Him. Because if I'm going to be sensitive to my wife, I have to cry out to God for help. I have to be dependent on God for that sensitivity. That has good results. Okay? That has good results. For me just to manage or take it on my own, I'm going to fail, and I'm not going to realize my dependency on God. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. That's what he's talking about, being in Christ. For this cause, a man shall shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. Okay. Again, a fragrance that God manifests to us when we're submissive to him. It, that will smell like death to this world. It will smell like life to those who are participating in life. Children, obey your parents. This is what this is supposed to smell like. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. How does a child have a right relationship with God? Obey your parents. Okay, Honor your mother and father. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. primary way we do that is by disciplining in anger is by responding in anger. is by responding out of our emotions. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, or in our case, employees, bond servants, because that's what we are. We give ourselves to be willing, obedient servants to who we are, who's our employer, willfully doing it, and we're a bunch of independent Americans. This is what he's talking to. This applies to us as employees. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ, not by way of eye service, as man-pleasers, 
but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will render service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this they will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same thing to them and give up threatening, knowing that both your master, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. This is how you're supposed to smell. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Sounds like a Star Wars movie or something. No, that's the reality of the world that we live in. Okay? And how are we to smell? We're to to smell like soldiers standing firm. First struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against... Not against flesh and blood? Well, it sure seems to come out that way. I'm mad at you, not the boys that are controlling. You're mad at me, not the boys that are controlling. No, it says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Those are realities. If you don't believe that, you're unaware. Because those are realities. Therefore, how are we to smell to God? Take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparedness of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith that you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. How are we to smell? What's a sweet fragrance to God? With all prayer and petition. With all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert. With all perseverance and petition for all the saints. That's a mouthful about how we should pray for each other. Okay? I would encourage you to go back and meditate on that. And Paul says this, and I, and there's a side of me that asks you guys to pray this. For me, pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For I am an ambassador in chains. I have no choice in this. That in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us. And offering... An offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. How do we smell? The thanks be to God, back in Second Corinthians, who always leads us in his triumph in Christ. Again, you need to understand that. We want to think that we're going to get up on the podium and get the first place trophy and be in the middle. and We're going to triumph and we're going to be the winner. It's not what it says. It says that God leads us in His triumph in Christ. The, the tri- triumph is, is a triumphal march is what the word describes. This is a leader going through 
the king, the victorious king going through with the soldiers behind him and his captives behind him in a triumphant march through town. God says he will always lead us in triumph in him. Okay? So when it doesn't seem like a triumphal march, go back and read it. And manifest through us, God will manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. All we just read in Ephesians has to do with the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him. It has to do with the knowledge of God, how He thinks, how He feels, what He calls us to, what obedience is, what a relationship looks like. Okay? That's the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ. We, if we are in Christ, if we are obedient to God, if we are anointed, we are the fragrance of Christ. And we are the fragrance of Christ in this world. It's a very, very important thing to remember. Why does God leave us here? Why do we, why do we, we, we struggle, we go through the, the, the struggle and journey of coming to know God, of realizing and acknowledge Him as Lord, as King, as Master. We submit to Him. We come into a relationship with Him. We're born again. Why doesn't He just take us home? Why can't He just transport us and be gone? The reason is, is because we are the fragrance of Christ on this, in this world. Emmanuel, God is with us, is evident in this world because of us. He calls us salt. He calls us light. Right? And without us in this world, without Christ, without us representing Christ, without the fragrance of Christ, giving off the true knowledge of God by His people in this world, this world would be a very, very, very ugly place. A very dark place without light. And without salt, it doesn't function. Okay? Salt is a critical element. We tend to think of salt as flavors food and makes life a little better. And that's what we are Christians for. Just here to make life a little better. No. Salt is an essential element to function. In our own body, without salt we die. Blood doesn't work right. Blood doesn't function right. Okay? Salt is a critical element in this world for life to exist. Okay? We are a critical element for life, for the, for the expression of God towards man. God's love towards man, God's forgiveness, God's free gift, God's grace are truly manifested to us. Not through this book. Not through this building. To us. Okay? If we are the fragrance of Christ. We are to be. God says He will manifest to this world the fragrance of Christ. The true smell of it. They should say, that smells like Jesus. Now to some that will say, some will say that stinks. Okay? Some will say, ah, that's a sweet aroma. That's a sweet aroma. I want to know where that smell is coming by. You know how it is. I mean, you drive through town and, 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 you know, smart business restaurants, man, they, they, they cook a good steak and then they put a blower on it, I think, and blow it out in the street, you know? And you drive through town and go, oh man, where's that coming from? You know? And you go, find that steak somewhere. That's us. We are to be the, we are the fragrance of Christ on this earth. 
Okay? God manifests that through us. The sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. doesn't matter. In this world, we are the fragrance of Christ. To some, to the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? Why does God choose to make me smell like Christ? We are not like many peddling the Word of God. That's a real strong thing. I'm not trying to make this sellable. I'm not trying to make this palatable. And I'm not doing it for money. We are not to be doing it for money. But as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. So, what do we smell like? Do we have the do we have the fragrance of religion? All 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 religions, all people try to smell like something. Is it pleasing to God? Is it an aroma pleasing to God? That aroma happens. That aroma isn't something that we can do. That is the essence of our being being coming out. Our bodies, in a sense, gassing off the reality of who we are. What is that? Does it look like what God says it should look like in Ephesians? Is that what the fragrant aroma of Christ? Because that description of what he says are like Christ when he talks about marriage, when he talks about wives, when he talks about parenting, when he talks about service, when he talks all of it. It's all talking about Christ and how Christ looks and how Christ smells. We are to be that fragrance of Christ. Are we? We don't get to choose how that will smell. We don't get to decide, decide our flavors. I want to smell like this. God says that we will smell like who we really are. We will smell from the essence of our being. And are we a sweet aroma to Him? Or is God not pleased with how we smell, with the essence of our being, with what emulates from us? That the, the sweet thing is, is to be pleasing to God and to be a sweet aroma to God is to know joy, to know peace, is to be in a triumphal march in this life, led by God in a triumphal march in this life. Jesus, Paul said, when I was in, went from Troas to Macedonia, I had no peace in my spirit and I didn't do that. What can we know when we're in conformity to God? We can know peace in our spirit. We can know peace. No matter what it looks like. No matter what things look like outside of here. We can know peace. Peace in our spirit. That's, that's the sweetest ever. So. Let's pray. God, I thank you why you choose to manifest the fragrance of Christ to us is pretty mysterious. But you do. You do. What smells come out of it? Are they ones that are pleasing to you? Are they ones that smell like Christ? 
Are we permeated and dominated by the flesh? Are we put on the new man? We put on Christ. Do we emulate holiness and righteousness and purity? Or is the flesh what's known? I believe that it was it's a big statement. It takes the blood to cover our sins and make atonement with you and the flesh is to die and burn it up. It's to burn up on the fire. And that's a sweet aroma to you. The same. God, I hope that you you convey to my brothers and sisters that the great joy of the inheritance of that relationship with you, that it is a privilege and an honor to bear the fragrance of Christ. It is a blessing, a happiness beyond comprehension. It is a steadfastness, a peace, a security. It makes life worth living, no matter what it looks like on the outside. It comes from the essence of our being, being right with you. Causes us to know that, to long for that, to realize our need and our longing for that. God, I want to pray for Craig. I thank you for bringing him here. I ask us to pray for his relationship with his wife and what should happen, where he should go, when he should go, if he should go. But what should happen there? She's there for whatever circumstances in Arizona and question is, is it Mississippi? Is it Arizona? Is it wherever? God, I ask you to give my brother wisdom. Give Craig wisdom to, to know what and where and how. I thank you that you I thank you that you are using this institution of marriage in his own life for sanctification. For bringing him into conformity to to Jesus, to your will. God, I ask that you would you would allow us to live in unity, Craig and, and the rest of his brothers and sisters here, that you would begin the work of reconciliation, what needs to be done, you would cause us to love on him and give us an opportunity possibly before you leave He's voiced the expression of wanting to be right before he takes off. And and my heart is blessed by that. My heart is blessed by that. And so I ask that you begin that work in all of us. Protect that work. Protect our ears, our hearts, our eyes, that we would be in conformity to you, that we would hear your words, see your truth. Act in your love. Again, God, I ask that you would give us an honor and a sacredness towards mothers, towards our mothers, whatever level of stumbling and bumbling we all do. Give us love and compassion and grace and mercy. Give us the wisdom to honor, not to suck ass. Sometimes mothers take harder. Isn't about 
pink cards that say sweet things and that takes care of me. This is about having your gratitude or gratitude towards you of being thankful, as you say. Being thankful for what you've given, for the provision you've given. There's probably few of us in this country that can't be thankful for what our mothers have done. Give us compassion and grace towards them. And God, I ask that you would give us wisdom, correct, and be better mothers and better fathers. Most failings of moms, I'm a firm believer, the failings of dads. Their failure to minister, their failure to present their wives as spotless and blameless without wrinkle or blemish, that's a big task. And that isn't done by demand or dictation. That's done by service and obedience. Make that awareness, God, that that's what we need to do with our own mothers, with our wives, the mothers of our children. We need to love them, support them, bless them, praise them, honor them. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that, that you allow us to manifest a sweet aroma of you because of what you've done. That we can be pleasing to God because of what you've done. I thank you for your grace that allows us to be right with God, that allows us not to, to suffer the wrath that we deserve. I thank you for your grace that allows us to be free from the bondage of sin and to live righteously and holy as saints. I think you don't demand something that isn't possible, but you empower us for that. I ask you to bless my brothers and sisters with the awareness of you. Amen.